Running Buds. Welcome to the Running Buds podcast. I am your host, Steve McNamee. I have another host, my co-host, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Lambrix from Utah. Hello, Steve from Ohio. And uh, not only uh, are we the co-hosts of this amazing running podcast, but we are the proud administrators of a brand new Strava club. Is that right? That is right. That is amazing. We hit the big time. I don't know what it, why it took us so long to uh, do this, but I'm glad we do because it's uh, it's got quite a few runners already. Like over 140 runners are already part of the yeah. Strava club. And even though I know all people did was just hit an accept button to the invitation, um, I feel like all the miles they're running are kind of like for us. <laughs> well. You asked why it took us so long. I, I mean, I can speak for myself is that I have no clue how to do that kind of thing. So once again, you are, uh, you're at the cutting edge of uh, the technology behind the Running Buds podcast because uh, um, it, would, it would be a hopeless uh, effort if, if it was me undertaking it. So uh, thank you for uh, um, taking the lead on this one, Charlie. Yeah, I'm the head of IT and social media here at Running Buds Incorporated. <laughs> you know what? Well, I'll say this. Yeah. I on a more personal note of, uh, of foolishness, uh, I still haven't even invited like my friends that I will, but I, I still haven't even really figured out how. And I'm sure it's easy, but uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. But uh, in the meantime, we have a podcast to do. Well, I, I will say this about setting it up. I had no idea how to set up a group. And uh, it took me a while to figure it out. And then once it was done, I thought, well, that wasn't difficult at all. <laughs> <I just laughs> Maybe we should hire Zach. I bet he's really good at this. He could have done it in no time. We think nothing of running 20 miles, like undertaking that kind of, uh, of an effort. That's, that's no big deal. But once it becomes something, you know, like 20 minutes of actual like research and, and pushing buttons, uh, you know, count me out help me out of that i've been impressed at how many miles people have been doing though uh clay keeps sending me screenshots of him in the lead and then sure enough melchor comes back and, and takes it from him but people are really putting in a lot of miles and every time i see like the total mileage by the group and stuff i'm like can't believe everyone would do all this for us even though they're doing nothing differently than their <laughs> everyday runs or every week runs it, it feels now like it's part of something together so uh Thank you, everyone that joined. Just look, if you want to join, yeah. just go on Strava, um, look up Running Buds. Hopefully you can find us, maybe Running Buds podcast. I think that'll lead you to us. Or you could follow us on Facebook, uh, Running Buds podcast on Facebook, and we have a link to the Strava club there and you can join there. Yeah, it is. It is really a natural thing because you can you can scroll down, as you know, and you can see all the all the different uh um, runs that that members do but but what's cool about it is is just you know you see street names you don't recognize and you'll you'll click on the map and you'll see that like wow this is somebody from um i'm trying to think of some of the locations i've seen just off the top of my head but um you know i there's mean there's a lot more like utah, uh, ohio out there a lot of utah ohio virginia uh, there's some in Texas, there's some in California, there's, there was one, I want to say it was in like Thailand or Malaysia. I'm sorry, Malaysia. Yeah, was, that was the one, yes, that's the one I saw. Yeah. yeah. So it's cool so to really see how cool. it'll expand. And I wonder if we'll get some of those trolls that 
like somehow have hundreds of miles per week that just join as many clubs as they can to be the top of it. We'll yeah, decide. Always- uh, what's what's that? It's always Russians. I've noticed. Well, I don't know about that. I was just saying, they, they, you know, <laughs> I mean, you get into the online type things, and you know, they influence elections. It seems like and um, take over Strava clubs and. No offense, are you Russian it's but... Russian bots that are overtaking Strava. It could be. It could be. could be. I'm not saying that we Americans are saints or anything, but you know, when when it comes to that kind of thing, Russians are good at that. A little we'll bit of cross that bridge when we get there. If somebody okay. puts in a 220 mile week, if we want to keep them <laughs> in the club or not, that's good. that's good. That'll also be uh, another responsibility that you'll have to undertake. Uh, Charlie, how's your running going? Uh, it's going, it's going okay. It's going pretty good, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I had a nice January of just sort of getting really consistent on my mileage, and now February is when I really start making higher mileage uh, weeks. The goal, uh, a lot of consistency with workouts in terms of tempo miles and stuff. And uh, yeah. six days in, even though I haven't done my twenty miler yet today. Um, things are going, going well. I feel like I'm getting in better shape, especially the tempo miles are becoming easier to do less daunting and the high mileage isn't feeling as, um, my legs are beat up at night, but not in the morning. And that's always a nice sign. So how about you? How are things going in Toledo for you? Yeah, it's the same. Well, I mean, and as we talked about on a previous podcast that we're training for the same marathon, um, Glass City Marathon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. T-O-L. And, uh, the the thing, the That's funny thing about marathon training. What's that? I said T-O-L. T-O-L. Hashtag. Um, the funny E-D-O, thing about marathon E-D-O, training. Never mind. I know. I make your point. I can't do that. That Ohio nonsense. Anyways, you know, marathon training, it, it, it's kind of like the, you know, the first Karate Kid movie where, you know, you, you're, you put together all these little pieces that that are seemingly unrelated, you know, your, your, your long run, your, your tempo and, and, you know, they never, they're, at least they're not supposed to, but, you know, it's all these pieces that come together on one magical day. And um, I'm kind of experiencing the same thing, you know, and, and today was the first day that I, um, I outran the temperature, the, the mileage was beyond the temperature that I ran and, um, that's always uh, uh, just a a daunting task. The mileage isn't it like negative five there though with the wind chill. Yeah, I mean the wind chill that I, that tend I I think that's a little overrated because we do layer up so much, so you don't have that much exposed skin as a as a runner. Um, you know, I think that's so what for is the, it? Sure. Uh, it, this morning when I left, it was nine, and I had to go fourteen miles. So, um, that was uh, um, it was a shock to the system. That was like it was the first time I've been in single digits this year in in temperature, and you know you, you get dressed in the morning. Or for our international runners, that's uh, yeah. Fahrenheit because I'd imagine ninety yeah, degrees yeah. Celsius just ballparking is is probably quite brilliant. Yeah, it'd be <laughs> the run beautiful. Oh, ninety degrees uh, Fahrenheit is brutal. <laughs> that and you yes. count the degrees on on just your fingers. That's that's pretty bad. Yeah. You know, the funny thing is like, you know, I mean, I, I think we've talked about this before that you have a, you have in your mind a, uh, your, your clothing options for most temperatures. Like, you know, like if it's, if it's 32 degrees, like at freezing, 
you know, I pretty much know exactly what I'm going to wear. You know, that's like my cutoff for shorts. And then I'll wear like a thermal top and that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. as it gets colder, I'll add on or if it gets warmer, I will subtract. Makes sense. But you start getting into nine. Um, you just, <laughs> I just, I found myself this morning in the dark, just putting on stuff. You just know, everything, like, inside, whatever it is. You yeah. only pick up the cat. Yeah. Finally, I got to a shirt that like it wasn't going to fit over top of anything else. I'm like, well, that's it. I'm ready. (laughs) (laughs) The best I can do because I can't move, and Uh, that's when it just kind of sucks. But um, so I got just a shout out to like that little kid in Christmas Story. I can't put my (laughs) arms down. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much what it is. Um, But I do have to give out a shout out to my. my running buds of, of the day that, you know, that were out there as well. It's, it's always nice to suffer with, with others in these situations. I, I swear if I had to go out today by myself and outrun the temperature, uh, I honestly, I don't, I don't know if I could do it, Charlie. I don't think I have that mental. Um, I mean, I would guilt myself into it, I suppose, and hate every second of it, but it, it's much more tolerable as you know, with, with running buds. Do you know off the top of your head the coldest you've ever run in? Air temperature, that um, is, not not taking into account wind chill and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I can give you a close ballpark. It was it was negative between negative five and ten, I believe. Um, it was one of those days that uh, the 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 news just pretty much said just you don't go outside. I think it was it was a snow emergency. It was very cold. It was very snowy, and it was almost one of those things that. Um, I was like, well, I just, I got to run just to say I did, but I was, I was in like almost street type clothes. I had so many clothes on that I was in like clothes that I've never run in before. And I have never run in since just like like cotton sweatshirts and things that were just big. And just to, you know, just to get that, that feeling of, uh, of, um, insulation, you know, the layers and, uh, um, it was, it was horrendous. I, I wish I hadn't done it because you can only protect your toes and fingers so much. But uh, got it done, and uh, that was that was the coldest. How about you? Well, one question before we get to mine: Did you happen? Do you remember? Was there any wind when you had that super super cold temperature? There may have. I don't remember. Okay, um, it was it was a very inhospitable um, outside situation. I mean, honest to God, people were not going to the grocery stores. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was. Uh, it was. That's the like when your car doesn't even thing. start. It's so cold. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, I remember mine just because I took a screenshot of it. Cause I just remember checking the weather that morning and knowing this has to be the coldest I've ever run. It was uh negative 12 Fahrenheit. <laughs> and, um, that, uh, uh, there was no wind whatsoever though, like none. So that made it doable. And I did it with, uh, our buddy, Mark Lohman. It was one of those Friday morning runs that you and I and several others used to get together to do and nobody else wanted to brave it, but Mark and I, and I remember, yeah, just like you, I I put on so many clothes and I had on two pairs of gloves. And so my wrists were so big with these big, heavy winter gloves, I couldn't fit my watch around it. So I just put my GPS watch in my pocket and Uh I did like six miles, just something to like, say we did it and by the end a i wasn't cold again there was no wind so i think you have enough clothes on and you're running as long as there's no wind beating against you you will warm up Uh, but my watch which was 
more than adequately charged for six miles was dead. Uh, oh, yeah. And I know that cold, cold weather can really drain a battery quickly. Like sometimes I'll go skiing and my phone I'll keep in just like sort of an exterior pocket on my jacket. And if it's super cold, my phone will often be dead by the time I'm, I'm done skiing for the same reason. So kind of interesting. But yeah, it is. The, the lack of wind is, is what made it doable. And there's one item of clothing that I think is absolutely key in that super, super cold temperatures. And that is, I'm sure I'm going to mispronounce it. It's not baklava because that's the dessert, but I think it's called balaclava. You know what I'm talking yeah. about? Those do, yeah. Yeah. It's, if you're not familiar, it's like a winter hat, but then it comes down around your chin and stuff. Uh, if you ever watch football and it's Super Bowl weekend, when they're in really cold temperature under their helmets, they'll often have this like almost sock shaped thing that just has a hole for your your face to stick out and those just I feel like around your neck and stuff and then you put like a buff over that you can really really retain a lot of warmth and then you can even put like a winter cap on top of that but look at us old farts talking about the weather we've got some uh some pretty big running news that's that's uh, came out in the news this week the first is Boston Athletic Association has named a date for the 2021 Boston Marathon with the big asterisk if we're allowed to do it. Uh, so October 11th, 2021, it is a Monday. Um, it is in October, but that is when the Boston Marathon is going to happen if live racing is allowed in the state of Massachusetts and the city of Boston at that time. Steve, how do you take that news? I mean, it's encouraging that they've set a date. I mean, it, it's it's one of those forward-looking things that just gives you hope that that hasn't been there in a while. Um, so, I mean, I know it, this is this is going from beginning in April 2020, and then a date was set for uh, what October 2020. And so, this is the first time we've had a date since October 2020 um, was canceled. So it's a step in the right direction. You know, I mean, it's eventually we're going to be racing again. We're going to be having these huge races again. It, it's going to happen. It, it has to happen. And um, so this is a step. Yeah. It's encouraging. Do you think it's going to happen? Uh, I think, uh, I think it'll happen in a form. I, I don't know that it's going to look like previous Boston's or future Boston's, but I mean, I think step one is uh, going to be some form of, of, um, you know, I mean, things will be shrunk down. I'm sure things will be, um, uh, what's there'll be a lot of moderation, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. You know, it'll, it'll, it'll happen some way, somehow, I believe. All right. Maybe I'm just a cockeyed optimist, but I, I think that masks are going to be required on buses and, uh, the starting shoot and maybe around mm -hmm. camp. And I think masks are going to be encouraged for all of those uh, spectating. I think masks are going to be required by all volunteers. Uh, but aside from that and the fact that it's in October, I think it's going to be business as usual. Do you? Uh, yeah, I really. See, that would be fantastic. I think so because, God, we don't want to get into like the virus and numbers and things, but 
slowly things are improving. There is a vaccine out there. Uh, like a million are going into arms every day. It's also still almost eight months. Yeah, eight months away. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just encouraged. And if we look at last year, I know this, that really that late September, early October was the most normal feeling months. Uh, the proverbial poop hit the fan soon after, but uh, my son's first birthday party was in October and we had people over and did the first birthday. Uh, it was outside and there was masks and things, but we still were able to do that and we felt not irresponsible. And then I remember two weeks later being like, holy crap, I can't <laughs> believe we did that. Like numbers like literally tripled by then. So I think just the time of year, the vaccine is out there and I don't know, masks are just part of everyday life at this point, whereas they were as the resistance is fading, keeps fading on them that I really think the time and the science are going to come together and people doing the right steps. And it's, it's going to be very normal. And I think it's going to be an insane celebration just because people it's never been canceled before, right? In its history. I think this was the no, first year it didn't happen since its inception. And uh, I think everyone it's going to be like the amateur running event. Forget even the professionals and the world majors and all that. I think it's going to be uh, one of the biggest running celebrations of the century. And I'm not even exaggerating. So... Um, I'm going to certainly register. I'm keeping my arms and ears and toes and fingers, fingers. Why did I say ears? Fingers crossed that everything I said happened, but I'm very, very excited. And there's probably, hopefully never going to be another, uh, fall Boston marathon. So that's going to be weird, but cool. That is, you know, isn't it? And if I'm not mistaken, it's the day after Chicago. Yes, yes. I'm buzzing about it. And that is what's so interesting, too. That's never happened before. Back to back uh, major marathons, world major marathons. Uh, Chicago is October 10th, literally the day before. Uh, there are going to be people that do both, which uh, logistically is just fascinating to me because that requires a flight, you know, in between two marathons. Uh, and also because well, Boston's later, so the start times will be more than 24 hours apart, but just fascinating that, that that's going to happen. And I was even thinking of this, Steve, um, whoever runs Chicago on Sunday and then runs Boston on Monday. So of that, that group, which honestly, there's probably going to be like a couple hundred people that do that, right? Sure, By a course, couple hundred, yeah. maybe 200 people. Um, whoever finishes... Boston first will have run two major marathons in the quickest amount of time ever. And <laughs> that record will never probably ever be broken because they're never going to be back to back days like this ever again. And you know, no professionals are doing this. So it's just going to be some guy. <laughs> some dude with the, right, with the means <laughs> understanding family. Yeah. It's, yeah, that's that's a strange thing to think about, but yeah, you're you're 100% correct on that. 
correct on a lot of things, Steve. No, I know. I know. But that's a title. Um, Runner's World needs to find that guy or girl that pulls it off and, and you know, honor them. They need a little crazy trophy or something. Yeah. I mean, what is it? It's the Abbott World Majors, so even Abbott should get in on it. Yeah, definitely. Um, hook him up with whatever it is Abbott does. What is Abbott? That's the... You know what? I actually learned this recently. They're like... <laughs> Something in healthcare or like medical devices. Of course. Of course. Isn't that insane? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes these people that spend the, by people, I mean companies that spend millions of dollars on sponsorship, people don't even know it, <laughs> like, is like any association. That's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah, God. Totally. I don't look this up, but I know a guy, I run with a guy who actually informed me of this. And I think he works in that industry. And I think part of the reason they sponsor it is because their founder, CEO, somebody is a runner and wanted to. So Sure. That makes sense, but good on you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well then I'll stop looking for Abbott dog food when I, when I go to the grocery <laughs> store. <laughs> uh, all right, there was something else, and we didn't talk about this, but this was a story in the news that a uh, an individual, and I'm not even going to say his name because I don't like this, he ran a world record half marathon, and you know what was special about this world record half marathon run, Steve? Uh, I, I think I might have seen the story, but I, I think it's better coming from you because I, I'll probably be wrong. He ran it barefoot in the snow. I would have been right. That is, oh gosh, I, I saw that. Why? Why would he do that? Well, let's remember this. A lot of people see just running a marathon and ask that same question. Uh, the mm -hmm. average lay person sees somebody run a marathon and just thinks that person is insane. There's no reason to do that, uh, whatever. And they just kind of write them off. So even just us we're weird as it is but then even within the population of runners there's those that just need to challenge themselves further i still see a hundred mile race as just like i don't know at least it makes sense like that's that's still cool but there's people right. that have run across the sahara there's people that have you know climbed insane mountains in really fast times and just challenging themselves but then there's just the stupid and that's where i think this lies like just the risk of losing your toes from <laughs> oh and there's nothing cool about it in the end you just ran really far in the snow risking your health and your limbs it's not like in the well maybe he, be like did he, did he have toes to begin with i mean i guess it'd be i don't know honest, be i'm gonna be really toes. honest we don't do much research and i did even less research <laughs> on this totally <laughs> this is a headline this is a headline this is type 100 just from the headline i don't know the guy's <laughs> name i just saw the headline and i was like that's the dumbest thing to do in the world like what's next um to see who can run the fastest half marathon while holding scissors in their mouth or something like it's well, that's, just, I see no difference. Everything like the first, the, the, the examples you cited, there's, there's a certain purity to who runs the fastest marathon, who, who runs the, who climbs the mountain the fastest, you know, I mean, that's, there's a certain like, okay, I understand from point A to point B that there's a purity to it. There's, yeah. there's a justice to that record. 
this is like adding conditions on your own. Like, okay, I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do it with no shoes and see how fast I can go. And that's fine. Great. Good for you. But number one, how big is the population that you're, you're up against when you set a record like that? I mean, who else is doing it? Where's the pride in, in even holding that record? Um, you're, you know, I mean, what's you're encouraging what another guy to try doing the same thing. And, you know, it, there's no, there's no population. There's, there's no glory in it, I guess is, is what my, my point is. Uh, there's no uh, part in the pun. There's no cool factor either. Like yeah. it's cool. Yeah. That there, there's a whole documentary. Uh, of course, I don't know the name of it. I saw it on Netflix probably five years ago, but these guys crossed the Sahara desert. They ran across the entire Sahara desert and that's yeah. insane. Okay. That's so crazy. It's a huge physical undertaking. There's tremendous risk involved, but at the end, it's like, you can look at a map of Africa and be like, yeah, see that side. I ran from there to there. And this in the middle is some of the most, um, hardcore, uh, what's the word? Uh, just difficult living or what's the word for something that's really unhit habitable, uh, place to be just to yeah. live. And I ran across it. Um, that's, that's got something like cool to it, but just running yeah. on snow barefoot. It's just like, Oh, you're an idiot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Objectively going across the Sahara, everybody can say, yes, that's awesome. Um, the same does not apply to two records such as taking off your shoes, running barefoot through the snow or, um, uh, which is funny as a, as a kid, a, a friend of mine and I had a tradition that um, we would on new year's Eve, for some reason, it was always snowy. It, it just seemed like it, but we had a, we had a streak where we would, we would uh, barefoot run out the front door. This is a kid. So this isn't like well thought out or anything. We were out his front door to the neighbor's light post while the neighbors were having a party. They always, it seemed this went on for years, the same cycle, but uh, we would touch their light post and try not to let them see us and, and run back. That was, uh, that was on like the same level as, as what this guy is. It's just, just stupid. Well, you were a kid and it's, it's just, I get a yeah. challenge. Like I've, <laughs> I grew up uh, as a, a boy betting others, you know, I bet you won't eat this. I bet you won't do that. Uh, and that's, that's neither here or there. And, and I look back and all that was dumb. Uh, I get, you grew out of it. I get yeah. bears. All right. But when we're talking about like world records for stuff, don't even entertain this stuff. Although, and, <laughs> and I, I do have a respect for like novelty type things or niche things like those that um, there's a dude that dribbled a basketball an entire half marathon. Uh, there's a guy that juggled the entire time. And that is kind of cool, you know, but I don't know this just even that though, do it and don't call it a record. It's, I mean, no, nobody's that impressed if you did it fast, <laughs> do the thing and, and leave it at that. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. We're happy. You, you dribbled. Congratulations. That was, that was cool. I don't want to hear your record. It's Steve, not... are we just cranky sticks in the mud? <laughs> I feel like it right now. The funny thing is Charlie, um, that it was, it's relatively early on a Saturday. I've done my long run and, uh, I opened up a beer and uh, the only thing I had in my fridge was um, overly strong beer for one o'clock on a Saturday. So um, 
I think I, I'm, I'm not calling myself a drunk because I've only had a few sips, but I, I think just the, the alcohol this quick and this soon in the day is it's just making me cranky. See, I got the other thing going. I've got um, a 20 miler that's going to start in less than an hour. So I'm just <laughs> sipping, <laughs> I'm sipping coffee right now, just getting all worked up. Oh gosh, we're we're in a bad place to be pat- podcasting today, aren't we? Yeah, why? Well, this is what happens. We always we have two weeks, two full weeks to record, and we always wait till the last minute. Hmm. That's true. <laughs> All right. I what got else a- was it? There was something else that you wanted to talk uh, about. Yeah, I've got something here. I sent you a picture last week of. Um, Easily. Uh, running shoes are not always stylish shoes. Um, at best, they're, they're gaudy or, or really bright. And that can be cool when, you know, you're in a race, but they're definitely yeah. not compared to a casual shoe, um, a good looking shoe. Most of them are objectively pretty ugly. But I think I have found the ugliest of the ugly shoes ever. Uh, <laughs> And bold, it, bold it's by none other than Hoka, which I think <laughs> is a uh, leader in the clubhouse when it just comes to an ugly shoemaking in general. Would you agree with that? Uh, they, yeah. Now, now they have some that are, I think, relatively attractive shoes, but the one you sent me was certainly not one of them. It was on the far end of, of, of puke. I mean, it was disgusting. Well, when they first came out, and I want to say this was – probably only like what eight nine years ago uh, mm-hmm. i feel like they came out right in the middle of the minimalist shoe craze when it was like get your soles as thin as possible um that was sort of the thing people were just getting more and more into racing flats and just as little shoe as possible um yeah the born then, to run crew yes exactly thank you and then uh out of nowhere hoka hits the scenes with these no joke, what, two and a half inch thick soles that just oh, yeah. right, away, right away just look like clown shoes and just look mm-hmm. ridiculous. Um, but that, I feel like, has come back. The soles have just gotten thicker and thicker. The more cushion has mm-hmm. kind of bucked that trend of the minimalist and it's come back in a big way the other way. Um, mm-hmm. So they don't don't look so crazy uh, as they they did when they burst on the scene, but they still I feel like almost that's just in their blood to have aggressive colors and huge soles that stick out further than the shoe themselves that just really catch your eye. I, I feel like they are the equivalent of. Do you remember the car, the Pontiac Aztec? Well, of course, from Breaking Bad. Yeah. Yes, Walter White's car. Uh, and yeah. bad, just like just aggressively different than <laughs> what everyone else does in a bold and ugly way well they came out with something called the hoka one one tenine tenine and in their defense they are calling it a hiking boot they're not mm-hmm. even calling it a shoe but it's by hoka it's meant to be run in i'm i'm sure and this thing is hideous and and i realize this is a uh audio medium so i'm going to try and describe this thing um the top of it uh by top as if you're looking down at your foot almost just looks like a hiking boot just the 
the build of it, like your general, uh, what is it called? Merrill brand hiking boot, yeah. uh, except it's like this bluish aqua color. Um, and that alone, I think actually looks fine. It looks kind of cool. But then it's got your standard, insanely large, um, weird tiger stripe sole <laughs> on the bottom that is just huge, like almost looks bigger than uh, the space meant for your foot itself. Uh, yeah, of course, it's this mustard yellow with fuchsia <laughs> mix with the dark blue. And- and they're not unique in that a lot of the companies, they put so much energy into making their shoe ugly. If they put the same amount of the energy into making their shoe gorgeous, um, they have would have amazing shoes. But it's almost, it is, it's who can make the gaudiest, ugliest shoe. And it seems to be a lot of the niche, niche um, shoes. I mean, like, no, a lot of people are going to never run in anything. You know, I mean, a runner, a serious runner, was never going to put on these faux boots to run in. Well, I, they're I, really I, after I a niche for the trail, and those are the <laughs> ugliest of the ugly shoes, uh, even amongst running shoes. But just one last detail on this shoe that I think is really um, the cherry on top is that uh, the back heel. Uh, Steve, have you ever done like? Uh, glass blowing or any kind of glass work art of sorts i am familiar with it i haven't done any now well we did some in the recent past and you get this hot glowing glass and then you can Mm -hmm. it's malleable at that point before it cools Mm -hmm. and but it's still kind of stiff almost like here's a better example like chewing gum Imagine you got like really hard chewing gum that you can still just barely kind of chew. Well, that's what it looks like the sole is made out of. And then they just took their finger and they pinched the end of the heel and they just pulled it out a good three inches and then just let go. And it stayed like that. It's just yes. got this mass sticking out the back of it, which looks incredibly uh, ridiculous in addition to how ugly it is. And I'm sure they've got some kind of reasoning, uh, pragmatic purpose for just this, you know, um, they do tongue sticking out the back. Do you know what it is? Yeah, they do. Now they have, and it actually, there's another shoe. I, I do not know the model. Um, but yeah, when we get the shoe, I'm in a, I'm in a Facebook group called running shoe geek. So I do love my running shoes and goodness. Um, yeah, I know. But, uh, in, now in this case, Hoka, has a shoe that's pretty much designed um, for downhill running. And it has an even more aggressive sole um, coming off the back. So I, I want to wow. say, um, I don't know. I would say almost twice the length of, of what you're describing. It is enormous. Oh gosh. Is that like, it's got to be like four or five inches because this is at least two, two and a half yeah, inches. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it in person. I've only seen pictures. So I'm, I mean, I'm... Oh. I'm extrapolating what it probably, you know, based on the length of the shoe, it looks just unreasonably silly, but. Okay. How does it run down? Running down a hill that you're going to heel strike, your heel's going to hit. So it catches this part of the sole and then you roll more gently. It takes away that slapping 
that you get on your toes. You know what I'm, you know what I'm referring to? You need to go okay. down So does like that absorb that impact that usually you would yeah. have when your yeah. foot comes down? It helps roll. So now anything trail related, I think Hoka's kind of trying to do the same thing where, you know, helping you roll. And when, if you go uphill, it doesn't take away. But for the downhill portion where you get that real slappy type, you know, pop, 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 where your feet are almost out of control at times, your, your legs go out of control. It, it softens that, that transition from um, air to heel strike. What if you're on a really rocky or there's a lot of roots or something? What if you're putting your foot down and your heel would clear this rock, but you got this tongue sticking out the back that hits that? I guess it probably will just push your toes right into the ground and it wouldn't be like a falling hazard. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think there's definitely a, a motive behind it that, you know, it's never going to detract from anything else that you do on the trail, but it's going to enhance your ability to go downhill. Now they have, um, in some of their, like their new racing shoe, the, the carbon uh, X2, um, that actually has a, a much smaller, but it, that actually has the same type of thing. It's a, um, and it has a notch in it. So if you can imagine that coming off your, your heel and that looks like it's about an inch, but then there's a notch in it. So it's kind of this heart shaped notch off the back of the, the shoe. And I will say those shoes are actually pretty attractive shoes. And Hoka just had an event where they ran, um, Jim Wamsley missed the, uh, the world record in the hundred uh, K wearing those shoes by 11 seconds, which is unfathomable. But, um, you know, everybody, it was, it was an event to de- debut those shoes and everybody racing the hundred K wore those shoes. So it was a, Interesting. It was a marketing event for Hoka. And it was, it was really cool. It, it was streamed live on YouTube and, uh, it was, uh, got a lot of attention and, um, but those shoes are attractive. Now the shoes you're talking about and most of Hoka's shoes, I'm with you hundred percent ugly. I have a theory about Hoka just because yeah. their technology to their credit is aggressive. They really try, they really, they push the envelope on what they're, what they're going to try with their shoes. Like I said, there's huge over the top cushioning shoes, which are sort of the norm now. Uh, mm-hmm. I think like they released those when minimalist was all the thing and um, all the rage and, and their colors and their look are just, aggressive and i'm almost wondering if all of the shoe companies the running shoe companies so you know your brooks your Saucony, maybe nike adidas etc all come together mizuno and we're like okay let's just pool our resources and just <laughs> see how ugly of stuff we can make and how crazy we can try these new concept shoes just to see the market's interest. And then each of us can do with, do with what we will from that information. Cause sometimes they're so ugly and they're so expensive that I'm like, no, no way anyone would actually buy these. This company cannot possibly be making money. Uh, who is, who is buying these, these incredibly yeah. ugly and strange and uh, experimental like shoes for 
two, $250 plus dollars. That's, by the way, the, yeah. the world's ugliest shoe that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and what I've noticed, too, is is a lot of these shoes, the, the distinct part of the shoe is, is what makes it easier to market. So, for example, Hoka had the, the event with the 100K race. You see, you see all these runners just, I mean, just crushing, like I said, missing the, the world record by 11 seconds. But you see a pack of runners, and they're all wearing the exact same shoe. You can't really see a shoe um, when a runner's in motion. But you can see, like, the color really stands out. So there's mm-hmm. all these guys wearing the red shoe. And, you know, you, then you go to, like, pro races, and Nike, you know, they, they've got the, the, the 4%. I'm sorry. The, um, uh, shoot, what am I? I'm blanking. Not the five. The Vaporfly, next percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next percent. But those keep coming out with new colors. And they're all these, you know, they're these loud colors. But, you know, they hand them to the pros that show up to do, say, at a London or one of the major events. And so you see this big pack of runners. And they're all wearing the same, like the latest one that came out yeah. with Mango colors. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Hot pink. Yeah. That they were all just They're wearing pink. like all these guys just in hot pink shoes. It was kinda kinda cool. I yeah. Think. So then, you know, Adidas got wise and they came out with their own super shoe and then those were like highlighter neon yellow. Yeah. And so you see this pack and half of the pack is in this this neon yellow and the other pack is in mango. So I mean you instantly know who the athletes are, what brand they're wearing. Like, oh, there's you know, there's the Adidas athlete, there's the Nike athlete. Sure. And uh, it's 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 brilliant marketing because, like I said, you cannot see a guy's shoe or a lady's shoe, or you can't see who's what shoe they're wearing. But if it's distinct enough in the colors, or if it's going to stand out in motion, well, now you know. It's it's, it's also it's, distinct because now, if you were to see somebody in the hot pink shoes, you'd be like, dude, those are like three versions ago. <laughs> yeah. <that's exactly. laughs> <laughs> and then that is the bitch of it is spending all that money and, and it, it's like uh it's like how, if, you know if you've got a you got an iphone 7 like you're like oh my gosh you only have an iphone 7 you know it's it's the and same I kind of thing back in back. maybe i can get some hot pink cheater shoes <laughs> yeah don't count on it the problem is those prices don't go down yeah yeah <laughs> All right, I had one more subject for Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And this one might be weirder than even everything else we've talked about so far. Um, I follow the subreddit uh, running on Reddit, and they had an interesting uh, little topic, and it was talking about smells on the run. Did you identify with that topic at all, smells on the run? I think I can. I think everybody that runs on some level can. I mean, you know, smell is the is the sense most closely attached to memory. It's 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 you know, it's yeah. To answer your question, absolutely. Do you have any distinctly smelly runs that uh, bring some memories back for you? Because I yeah, definitely so- have one run that I can easily say was the best smelling run I've ever gone on. Oh, no, shit. no kidding. Um, well, all right. So number one, Charlie, you, you know, you haven't been here in a while, but um, when we did the Friday morning runs or near where we would often start, there was a, a, a factory that produced soap. Do you know what I'm referring to? No, actually. No, really? Okay. It's, I, it, it's, it's not every time. Like in Fight Club? 
Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, this was, uh, there's, so there's this trail that we would run all the time, but there's, it, it goes right by this kind of this small plant, but they make soap and you can run by at certain times. And there, there's a strong, like real soapy smell. It's, it's kind of a, I mean, it's a pleasant, clean smell. And then depending on the wind, wherever you are, say in the park or on the opposite side of the plant, you would catch this whiff of, of soap and, uh, it's, it's a very distinct smell within like say the woods, you know, when you're in the woods and you're smelling normal woodsy smells mm -hmm. and some days it's just uh, it's strong soapy smell. So that, every time um, you take a shower, do you think of a run? I do. I do. Usually that, well, that's the only reason I do shower as you know. Oh, to remind yourself of running. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> I, uh, when I lived in Cincinnati, I, we used to run in the over the Rhine part of the city that has uh, a Sam Adams plant. I think Ooh. almost all of the Boston lager that is available is not brewed in Boston, Massachusetts, as you would think, but actually Cincinnati, Ohio. And, Sacrilege. Uh, <laughs> yeah. and uh, just beer brewing is a very aromatic thing. And mm -hmm. uh and yeah, it, just smelling uh, beer brewing just takes me back to Cincinnati, uh, which is a city that loves, loves their beer, probably more yeah, than most cities. And, and so that's always been a distinct one because I think this too, your, your smelliest runs um, are going to be early morning or like late, late afternoon, early evening when people are cooking dinner or cooking breakfast, because something about coffee, eggs, and bacon, when mm -hmm. you're Absolutely. out on a run, especially in neighborhoods, that really carries. And then sometimes when I run like immediately after work, especially in the wintertime, like 535, uh, 5.30, 5.45, you can smell like garlic, onions, different aromas kind of wafting from houses, which is always kind of a cool experience. Uh, but I have one run that I can easily say was the best smelling run I've ever done. And uh, this is when I lived in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Memphis is home of the World Barbecue Championships. Oh, my gosh. And it takes place in this park. Thomas Lee? I don't know. Some park down um, right on the river. And it actually has this levee next to it because it's right on the river that has a path. So I was running on this path on top of this levee um, along this park. And there's just hundreds of the best barbecue uh, people in the world smoking up their meats and stuff. And the smell was just amazing. I actually <laughs> had my mouth watering on this run um and and yeah so when i saw that subject it was a no-brainer for me what what the best smelling run i've ever gone on is <laughs> we have we have vegans right now switching over to the joe rogan podcast yeah um, well i subsequently <laughs> actually don't even eat meat anymore but i can still uh remember that run <laughs> you can still appreciate i know it is yeah whether or not you do it's it is what a smell i think it is um and I was I was almost going to say the same thing, and, and you know you only get the barbecue 
another one steak steak has a really distinct smell when oh when yeah people are grilling out during the summer and yeah by that grilling out, absolutely delicious but it, it, you always run like say you know you normally run before you eat so most of the time if it's after work you're running on an empty stomach you're hungry you're you're ready for dinner and and those smells um those are the memorable ones is is the smells that are the smells that uh um remind you of dinner, remind you of eating, you know, and there's so many great smells like, and, and obviously when you talk about smells, you're thinking of na- nature and lilac bushes. And- oh yeah. Yeah. You've had those like a real strong evergreen, especially if you're doing a trail run. Um, yeah. But all we've talked about is man-made awesome. stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> We're talking about plants and well, factories. One, and- another one of my favorite, but it's it's right along with the rest, is when you run by a donut shop or even just a grocery store. Oh, that's, no. that's especially good. That one, That one really is awesome because you get up super early. It's still dark. It's usually on the weekend that I would have this experience. You know, you're doing a really long run. You're kicking your butt. Then you have that run done. It's only like nine o'clock in the morning and you can go get some donuts and get a coffee and have zero guilt because you just ran, you know, 15 or so miles. And it's it's just the best when you smell that. You're like, oh, I know exactly what I'm doing after this run. I'm going to go get some. (laughs) That is true. I've earned it. Damn it. I've earned it. Yeah, coffee is an amazing smell. Um, I, it's it's hard to smell coffee when you run. I you know because it doesn't it doesn't travel as well as as smoky type flavors or or mass made donuts or that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, when you come home from a run or even you get back in your car with and you've got hot coffee in there waiting for you, it's it's just fantastic. I I love my coffee. I uh, I went on a run one time. This was when I first moved to Utah. I used to run all the time, almost every weekend with this group that's based out of basically the Provo area, um, which is a good 45 plus minute drive for me. It's just the first group I found to run with. Uh, They were super welcoming. And even though it was far away, I would go there on Saturdays just to run with them. And now that I, you know, have a son and uh, have, um, found some friends that live much, much closer to me. I, I don't make it down there nearly as often as I wish I could, but uh, this group runner's corner based out of the Provo area I used to run with, uh, we ran by a donut place in Provo that just smelled amazing. And I was like, Ooh, that smells great. I'd love to check out a local donut shop. They're all raving about how great it is. And we all decided let's just go there together after the run. And uh, the thing about Provo also is it's home to BYU the um, mm-hmm. uh, Latter-day Saints uh, church uh, school. And so this city is like 90 plus percent members of the church and they don't drink coffee. That's part of their thing. So I go to this donut shop and I knew they wouldn't have coffee. I'm not naive, you know? So I knew not to ask that. I was like, do you have hot chocolate or tea or anything? And no, it was a local donut shop that did not serve any hot beverages. And that was one of my welcome to Utah. I'm not in Kansas anymore. But it's like, all right, milk it in. Here we go. See, we both had bad first impressions of Utah. Hey. No, no. I mean, you've evolved and I probably would have evolved if I had spent more time there, but 
yeah, there's there it's eye opening for sure. It's, but I mean, to me, coffee is a human right. But have, uh, not to not to denigrate anybody's that doesn't has their own reason for not drinking coffee. But um, yeah, I need coffee. I've had numerous discussions on runs that theoretically, if I had to give up alcohol or give up coffee, uh, I would give up alcohol and so fast and, and drink coffee twenty four seven. I just love the stuff. I, I, I I went many, many years not drinking coffee. And then uh, once my son was born, it became essential. And I love this. Yeah. So it's back in my life. Yeah. Yeah. It jacked up my stomach. It it screws up my runs. And I don't, I don't even care. I forgive it. (laughs) It's okay. okay. I I have to get a stronger stomach. I I understand that. I'm I'm working on that. But um, I'm not blaming coffee. I'm I'm blaming myself. But, But yeah, I do have a love affair with coffee. All right. Steve. Maybe we need to. Maybe instead of drinking beer during the podcast, we should just try coffee a couple of times. I'm Jack drinking coffee right now, and you are. Yeah, you uh, have. That's not a necessity, though, Charlie. That's different. And you know what? It's got me doing though. It's got me doing the uh, got to pee dance. So <laughs> yeah, I think it's time to wrap this one up. All right. How can we be reached? Uh, email budsrunning at gmail.com Twitter budsrunning yes. at budsrunning. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Just look for the Running Buds podcast. Ron Strava, look for Running Buds. Ron Strava, and uh, yeah, reach out to us. We love talking about whatever you guys bring to the table. Um, and uh, please follow us. Uh, I have a song for us this week, Steve. Oh, good. Uh, I didn't have good, one. Because I forgot we even do songs. But something we started off was just talking about how progress was going and how marathon training. Um, you would do all these individual parts and hoping that just mm-hmm. on that one day, everything comes together. So ah. we're going to go with the Beatles come together uh, to close this one out. All of our music uh, can be found on Spotify. Just look for running buds podcast music, running buds episode music, I think is actually the name. And you can find uh, a playlist of all the songs we close out the episode with, but this time it's the Beatles. All right, this was fun, Steve. It was a blast. We'll talk to you guys later, and we'll see you on Strava. See ya. Running Buds.